Well, let's jump right into week number three. This is the finale of the series we've been on with Honor. I want to invite you to pull out your message notes. You're going to have some scripture and some fill-in-the-blank there for you to follow along. We began week one with this series of honors, studying the book of the Old Testament, the last book of the Old Testament, the, the book of Malachi. And Malachi was a prophetic book, God speaking through the prophet, and God basically asked the question, where is the honor? Where's the honor? Where did it go? And I think that's a relevant question today because we're living into a culture today that really has lost honor, that, that has lost respect and what it looks like and what it means. Remember the definition of honor was to add worth, to add value, or to add weight to something. Honor is weighty. There's some weight to it. Dishonor is to take lightly. Dishonor is to take the value away, take the worth away, take the weight away. That, that's what, when you show contempt for something, you dishonor it because you're taking it lightly. Something that should have some weight, you're kind of taking lightly. Uh, week number two, we, we looked at the Bible and we found six things Scripture teaches us to honor. And I encourage you to listen to those first two messages if you missed either one of them. Today's kind of the icing of the cake. It's where we get practical. It's how do we honor? Uh, how do we do this? Like, like, what are the principles to really make this come alive in our life? Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 10 is going to be our theme text today. It says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourself. That's my challenge today is that we would honor one another above ourselves. Honor each other above the way we honor ourselves or the way we look out for ourselves. Because we live in a culture that loves to put people down. I mean, how many know what I'm talking about? We love to tear people down in this culture. And I think the reason is, is because we feel down and we don't want to get up. So we want to pull everyone else down to feel as miserable as we feel. And it's almost now a sport in our country to do this, it's like, especially with social media. We can be so dishonoring and disrespecting and jump on Facebook and, and comment on every little thing and why they're wrong and just attack and criticize and blog against. I'm calling us as a church to come back to honor. I'm saying it's time that followers of Jesus Christ begin to live honorable lives again. And really walk out what the principle of honor is all about. So I'm going to give you three things you can do today to practice honor in your life. Three practical things you can do for honor. How to honor each other, how to honor God, uh, how to honor family. Number one, prioritize it. Prioritize it. In other words, let it go first. The things that you honor, you give preference to, you give priority to, you put them in, in places of honor in your life. And there's no greater place of honor than letting somebody go first. That's why we say, let the ladies go first. When you're at a wedding banquet, look around the room. If you see uh, you know, some older people, let them go first in the buffet line. I mean, give preference to other people. Honor others over yourself. And believe me, I know this is tough because I'm not, a like, I'm not a guy that likes to let people go first. 
I live my life in margin. I love margin. I love being early. Uh, I love rushing to get where I want to go so that that I can be there early. Like if I'm 10 minutes early, I'm late because in my mind, I need to be 15 minutes early to everything just to give myself some margin. So for me to let somebody go first, that really takes an act of God in my life because, you know, I'm at the grocery store. You know, I got two items and the lady's got a cart full of stuff. I don't want to let her go first. I want to like kind of cut her out of the way and rush up there. And, you know, the other day I was at Costco with my son and we were, we were getting in line to do the churro and all of a sudden this lady comes wheeling out of Costco behind us with a car full of stuff and she had the nerve to just kind of pass me and cut right in front of me in the line and I just I, I wanted to say and I said no 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 I'm gonna let her go first I'm just gonna honor her above myself but I, I, I'm telling you it, it, it took a lot for me to do that something I'm learning in to honor others over myself I mean, husbands, when you go out with your wife, walk around the car and open the door for her. Let her get in the car first. Then you have to pick her up off the ground after she faints because it's never happened before. <laughs> but let her get in first. And, and here, here's the statement. Under every point, I, I put a statement there for you to help explain it a little further. Whatever is first is honored. Whatever is first is honored. Whatever is first in your life is honored. Isn't it interesting that God doesn't give us a whole lot of practical ways to honor in Scripture? There's a lot of verses about honor in Scripture, but there's not a whole lot of verses that say, do it this way. Like, here's how you actually do it. It talks a lot about honor, but there's just not very many places it says, and do it this way. One of the few places it shows us how to honor God practically, like do it this way specifically, is in the area of our possessions. And you can study this throughout the Bible. Look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Honor the Lord with your wealth. One translation, it says income. Uh, uh, Actually, a better translation, more accurate to the Hebrew, is increase. Honor the Lord with your increase. What is increase? It's anything you earn. It's anything you receive. It's anything you're, you're blessed with or you're given. You honor God with your increase. But it tells you specifically how to do it. See, I meet a lot of people that, that say, well, I'll give to God whatever I feel led to give to God. Or I'll give to God however I feel like giving to God. Unfortunately, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible clearly tells you how to do this. It doesn't say just do whatever you want and however you want. It gives you clear direction on how we honor God with our increase. It says, with the first fruits of all your crops. With the first part, the first fruit, the firstborn. And throughout scripture, the first fruits always represents the tithe. We give to God first. And I want to help you understand the tithe. tithe. Again, tithing is just a word that means 10%. And it's always, according to scripture, the first 10% of all that we earn belongs to God. And what I want you to realize about the tithe today is God doesn't need your stuff. He doesn't. The tithe is not about God needing your stuff. God simply wants to know where he places in your life. That's what it's about. He just wants to know, where do I place in your life? So the principle of tithing isn't God needs me to finance stuff for him. No, 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 no. God just wants to know, where do I rank in your life? Like, where do I rank in your life? 
What tithing is, is it's our ability to demonstrate to him that God, you are more important than Visa in my life. God, I want you to know you are more important than the mortgage company. You're more important than the grocery store. You are first in my life. I honor you first out of my increase. I don't honor you last. I don't honor you second. I don't honor you third. God, you are first in my life. Whatever is first is honored. And and I just want to tell my story today. And and please understand, I don't want to put any guilt or condemnation on you. The very worst thing that could happen is for you to obey the principle of tithing because of guilt, because of manipulation, because of condemnation. That's the worst thing that could happen because this is a life-giving principle. It's something we get to do to honor God because we want him to be first in our life. So, So this is not to put any condemnation, but this is a holy moment in my life. I get paid the middle of the month and the last of the month. I get paid electronically. So sometime in the middle of the night, uh, my, my paycheck is deposited into my account. And what I do the morning that it's deposited in my account is I get up in the morning and I, I begin my morning devotions as I do every day. And I just get the Bible out and I spend some time in prayer and just spend some time in God's presence. And what I encourage all of the tithers of, if you've been a part of our church, then you know the tithers of our church, I want to encourage you, don't, don't, don't write your tithe or, or, or give electronically your tithe when you're paying bills. It, it's holy. It needs to be set apart. You don't treat it as common like, like you treat it when you're paying bills. That's, that's common. The tithe is holy. It's set apart. The Bible says the first 10% of all that we earn is holy. It's set apart to the Lord. And so I want, I want you to make it holy. I want you to set it apart. It's not a financial transaction between you and a church. It's an act of worship between you and your God. And so the way I do it is during my quiet time, during my morning devotions, as, as it's the day that I get paid, I just get out my phone. I've got the little mobile app that we can, we can give through. And, and if my son's awake, I'll bring him in and, and I'll say, all right, Asher, we're going we're, we're gonna, to we're gonna return to God what belongs to him. And we're going to give him first place in our life. And I just explain it to him. And it's a holy moment for me of putting God first. God, you're first. If you look at our bank account, the very first transaction that happens in our bank account when we get paid goes to God. He gets first. The very first thing goes to him. Why? Because I want God to be first place in my life. I want him to be first in every area of my life. I want to recognize daily that everything I have comes from him, and I want him to be first. And, And this is what you always need to remember about the tithe. The order is actually more important than the amount. The order of the tithe is more important than the amount. The amount's important, but the order is more important. See, we don't give God the last 10% or the second 10% or the third. God gets first. First, we give him the first and the best. I love the way the Message Bible puts this in Proverbs 3, 9. It says, honor God with everything you own. And this is an everything principle, not just a money principle. It's your time. It's your talent. It's every aspect and part of your life. Do you know why we have church Sunday morning? Because we want to give God the very first part of our week. We want God to know before we do anything else this week, you're first. We're going to your house. We're going to worship you. You're first in our life. Before anything else happens this week, God, we're going to give you first. 
Every morning we wake up, we give God first. I don't, I don't wake up and check my stocks or check the email or check the news. I wake up and I get God's word out. Why? Because I want God to be first. It's not something I have to do. It's something I want to do. I want to honor God. I want to give God first place in my life. I want him to know he's first. Whatever is first is honored. It says, honor God with everything you own. With, give him the first and the best. So the first thing we do is prioritize it. Second thing to be people of honor is praise it. Praise it. Honor has a... There we go. We got some praise going on in here. (laughs) Praise it. Honor has a language to it. You know, we honor with our tongue. That's what Ed wanted to do today is honor somebody in our church. We honor with our tongue. And here's the problem. We get so loose with our tongue. We get so loose, but honor comes from the tongue. We honor with our tongue. Uh, The Apostle Paul, he was a great church planner. If you study his life, he traveled all throughout that part of the world planting churches, and he would raise up these churches, and then he would move on to the next city. And what he would do is he would write letters to the churches. We call them epistles. They're actually now, the majority of the New Testament were letters that Paul wrote to these church plants that that he was working with. And what I love about Paul is at the beginning of every letter and at the end of every letter, Paul would give little shout outs, little props. He, he would just praise different people. He would say, you know what? I just want to, I, I just want to give a shout out to this guy because he was, he was awesome. He helped me so much and, and, and honored this guy. And I want to, I want to give props to, to her over here because she's just an amazing woman of God. I love the way Paul did it. He, he goes, thank God for Onessa Forrest. I mean, we wouldn't even know who Anesophorus was if Paul didn't honor him. Paul says, this guy revived me like a breath of fresh air. He said, I want to I I thank God for Epaphroditus. You need to honor men like Epaphroditus. Give him the honor that he deserves, Paul said. See, there is a language to honor. Our words either honor or dishonor. That's the second statement for this point. Our words either honor or dishonor. You've got to make this a rule of your tongue. Here's the key truth. There are no such thing as neutral words. You cannot speak neutral words. Words honor, words dishonor, but there is no such thing as neutral words. We did a series last year, a very painful series in our church called Words, Life or Death. And one of the weeks, I asked the church the question. I said, can I just speak freely to you for a moment? That's a common expression in America. Can I speak freely? And everyone said, sure. The truth is, I can't speak freely to you. Because every word has a value. Words cost. There is no such thing as a free or a neutral word. Words either honor or words dishonor. Words either speak life or words either speak death. Words speak blessing. Words speak curses. There is no such thing as neutral words. So we've got to make a commitment as followers of Christ. I'm not going to criticize my boss. I'm not going to speak death over my boss. I'm not going to criticize my coworkers. This is especially true and happens the most in our homes where familiarity creeps up. Wives, I want you to just think for a moment. I want you to just review and replay this last week. Think of all the words you spoke to your husband this last week. Were they words of honor or words of dishonor? Were they words of life or words of death? 
Husbands, I want you to just kind of think through the words you spoke to your wife this week. Were they words of honor, words of dishonor, words of life, words of death? They're no neutral words. Think through, parents, the words that you spoke to your children, brothers and sisters, the the, the teenagers, the words you spoke to your parents this week. Were they words of honor or words of dishonor? I'm calling us as followers of Christ to stop the dishonor. Let's be people who bless and not curse and offer our tongues to God. Reminds me of a story. There was a couple that were fighting and they were just cutting each other down. I mean, they were just like angry and mad and had these razor sharp tongues and every little put down and cut down that they could think of was just just flying back and forth. And they were driving out in the country going somewhere and over in one of the fields they saw just, just all these pigs just playing in the mud. And the husband thought of a really good one liner and he looks at his wife and he goes, relatives of yours? And without missing a beat, she said, yep, (laughs) in-laws. Telling you, man, you don't want to start that war. It's not going to work for you. I love James, Jesus' brother. He was the great pastor of the, uh, the church in Jerusalem. He writes a letter, and in James chapter 3, he's talking about the tongue. He says, sometimes our tongue praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Now, let me show you how most of us do that on a regular basis. We'll come to church Sunday morning, and we'll sing wonderful songs with our tongue. How great is our God, how marvelous, how wonderful. Then we get in our car, and we drive away, and somebody cuts us off. What an idiot! With the same tongue that you just got done singing songs of praise to God, less than an hour later, you're now cursing somebody made in the image of God. And let's be honest, we've all done it. We've all done it. And here's what you need to remember. You don't honor people. Remember week one, you don't honor people because they deserve it or because of how you feel. You honor them because of God's claim on them. It's not about them deserving it. It's about God's claim on them. When you call that person an idiot, you need to realize that's somebody Jesus Christ spilled his blood for. And so you don't honor them because of who they are. You honor them because of Christ's claim on their life. Verse 10 says, And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. I'm calling us to live by a different standard. Well, they deserve it. No, 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 no. Let God decide that. You be a person of honor, not because of who they are, but because of who you are. Paul goes on and says in Ephesians 4, talking about, this very subject. He says, don't use foul or abusive language. Now, this word foul in the Greek means exactly what the Holy Spirit is telling you it means right now. Because I know all of you had something come to mind when you heard that word foul. Something that you said this last week. I wonder if that falls in the category of foul. If you had that thought, the Holy Spirit is showing you that fell in the category of foul. Don't use foul or abusive language. Here's the encouragement. Let everything you say, everything that comes out of your mouth, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words, your tongue will be an encouragement to those who hear them. That's the life Christ has called us to live, that our words will be good and helpful, that everything that comes out of our mouth will be an encouragement to those who hear it. 
And I want you to look how verse 30, 30 is directly connected to verse 29. If you study this in the Greek, these two verses are connected. It's one thought. It's not two separate thoughts. This is, this is one thought. Paul just gets done talking about the words you speak. Now look what he says. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. See, the words you speak can actually grieve the Holy Spirit. Can bring sorrow to God's heart. When you get cut off, and believe me, I've done it. This is an area that God's been dealing with me during this series. When you get cut off on the freeway and you want to call that person an idiot, you're bringing sorrow to the Holy Spirit. You're grieving the Holy Spirit. You're you're tying His hands from being able to move in your life and bless you the way He wants to bless you. Let's embrace a language of honor. First thing is we prioritize it, give it first place. Second thing, we praise it, develop a language of honor. Here's the third thing, you protect it. You protect it. Why? Well, remember the definition of honor is is that which you add value and you add worth to. Whatever is valuable is protected. You know, most of us have safes at home. What do we put in the safe? We put our valuables in the safe. Why? Because we want to protect those things. If you're walking through a crowded, you know, public area and you've got your wallet in the back pocket, most men will, will, will check every couple minutes to make sure the wallet is still there. Why? We're protecting that which is valuable. Women, you do it with your purse. If you're in a crowded place, you hold your purse a little bit differently. You protect that which is valuable to you. Well, the best way to honor something is to add value, then guard it. Guard what you honor. And here's the statement to to illustrate this point further. The more you value it, the more you will value from it. The more you put into it, the more you're going to get out of it. The more you honor God, the more you're going to value from God. If you take God lightly, you're not going to get a whole lot out of Christianity. And you're going to be wondering, well, why, why isn't God blessing? He's blessing. Why, why, why am I not seeing God change my heart and change my life? And why do I not have peace? And I'm still dealing with anxiety and other people are going through hell and yet they have so much peace in their life. How are you honoring God? See, the more you honor God, the more, the more you value God, the more you're going to value from him. You protect that which is valuable. Now, I love the story of Noah. We talk a lot about Noah and the ark and the flood, but not, not many people uh, know kind of his story after the flood. After the flood, Noah, you know, he's starting to repopulate the earth with his family and they're rebuilding things and he plants a vineyard. And then Noah starts kind of, kind of growing grapes and bottling his own wine. And one night, Noah gets a little drunk, naked and passes out. I mean, don't act like you've never done it. I mean, this is in the Bible. I mean, you can read it. I mean, he's drunk, naked, passes out. His son Ham comes in, sees his father. And Ham, instead of being a person of honor, decides to expose and exploit his father's weakness. See, let me just say, sin needs to be dealt with. But a person of honor will address it differently than a person of dishonor. A person of dishonor seeks to expose, seeks to exploit. So Ham goes to his brother and say, man, you're not going to believe what dad did. He got drunk, naked, he's passed out in there, looks like an idiot. I mean, I can't believe it. But Shem and Japheth were different. They were, they were sons of honor. 
what they did is they, they got a cloak and they put it around their shoulders together and they walked backwards into their father's room and they laid the cloak over them so that their eyes would not look upon their father's nakedness. They didn't want to see their dad in that condition. They wanted to honor him and cover him up. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. This was a moment of weakness, and I'm sure Noah you know, apologized and, and restored some things after, after doing this, but Shem and Japheth honored their father. They didn't expose, they didn't exploit, they covered it up, and the Bible says Noah gave them a blessing that we see in their life for generations to come, where Ham received a curse from his father that we see in his life from generations to come. The more you value something, the more you value from it. How attractive would our church be if we, if we lived this principle of protection and honor, where we really protected one another and guarded one another and not let people say negative things about each other and defended each other behind their backs? I mean, Jesus said it like this, by this, all men will know you're my disciples. See, if we want to be known to this community as people who love God and have an attractive church to this community, by this, your love for one another, the way we honor each other, the way we love one another, the way we protect each other. That's how it works. Uh, uh, We honor, we protect. I think some of us need to start protecting our God a little bit more. You know, some of us work in environments where people are just cursing God's name constantly, GD this and G. Next time somebody says GD around you, you need to just stop them. Say, you know what? You know, I, I just, I need to correct you. God doesn't damn people. If you knew my God, he doesn't damn anyone. He loves people. If you want to actually get it right, say devil damn. The devil's the one that damns people. I mean, I mean, at least get it right if you're going to curse. You know, I was in the steam room the other night at the gym. You know, I just got done working out. I'm sitting in the steam room. There's a couple guys in there, and this young kid walks out, and he holds the door open too long, and all the steam's starting to, to go out of the room. And one of the guys in the room got mad. He goes, Jesus Christ. And I just, you know, I just, it just rose up in me. I said, hey, Jesus didn't hold the door open. Don't blame him. <laughs> you know, I tried to say it in a way where I didn't get in a fight with a guy, but... I just want him to know, don't blame Jesus for that. He didn't do it. You know, I think some of us need to just defend our God a little bit more. I mean, who, who, who do you speak for? John 7 verse 18 says, those who speak for themselves want glory only for themselves. See, do you offer your tongue to Christ every day? Do you speak words of honor and dishonor? If you're speaking words of dishonor, then you want glory only for yourself. So that's what sarcastic people want. Sarcastic people love to, to you know, kind of get everyone else so that they can be like the star of the conversation because they're, they're, they're seeking to bring attention and glory to themselves as opposed to bringing glory to the Father with their words. But a person who seeks to honor the one who sent him speaks truth, not lies. Speaks honor, speaks blessing, speaks life. Let's protect the honor of our God. Let, let's live lives that defend him by the way we live because he died for us. So in closing, let's talk about what it really means to be a vessel of honor. What, is, what does this look like? Uh, Paul, Paul's coaching and discipling young Timothy. And in 2 Timothy, Paul says to him, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but there are also vessels of wood and clay. In other words, you've got fine china and you've got paper plates. You got two. It says some for honor and some for dishonor. Uh, you all know what I'm talking about. I have 
fine china in my home that are still in boxes from our wedding that we've never used. My wife tells me they're for an occasion of honor that hasn't happened yet, but they're there waiting for that time where maybe the Pope will come to our house. I don't know, but they're, they're there waiting for, you know, that special occasion. And it goes on to say, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself, look at that. If anyone cleanses himself, this is what you do for yourself. See, it's not, it's not God. You cleanse yourself. Now, you do it through his power and his spirit. It says, anyone who cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor. See, that's, that, that, that's my heart for this church, is that we will be vessels for honor. That we will give honor with our life. That that would reflect the culture of our church. Vessels for honor, sanctify, and look at this word, and useful. This is what we're really talking about, useful. We're not talking about your salvation. We're not talking about going to heaven. That's free. The blood of Jesus saves you. That's grace. That's free. We're talking about after you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, are you useful? Because there's a lot of people that are on their way to heaven that aren't useful. They're dirty. They're not cleansed. They're forgiven. According to God, he, he sees them as holy and blameless. But as far as their ability to accomplish anything for the kingdom on earth, they, they're not useful. I've never gone into my kitchen to get a bowl of cereal with clean dishes in the cupboard and gone to the sink and got the dish with all the spaghetti sauce still on it. Never done that. Why? Because it's not useful to me. We want to be clean so that we can be useful, prepared for every good work. So what I wanted to do to close this series is I really want to understand all the scriptures on honor in the Bible and see if I can find one common thread or one kind of nugget or truth that I could leave with you on honor to kind of wrap it all together. And all the verses keep going back to one point. One point. I'm just going to read four of them to you and see if you can pick out what this truth is. Proverbs 15, 33. Fear of the Lord teaches wisdom. Humility precedes honor. Proverbs 18. Haughtiness goes before destruction. Humility precedes honor. Proverbs 22. True humility and the fear of the Lord leads to riches, honor, and long life. Proverbs 29, 23. Pride ends in humiliation while humility brings honor. See, the one thing we need to do every day to maintain this is here's the last truth. Humility is the key to honor. Humility is the key to honor. So what I'm asking you to do is start every day low. Start every day low. Start every day with everyone else above you. Honor others above yourself. Because here's the thing. You can't fall from your knees. If you start every day low, you can't fall. And there's no more humbling act as an American than to pray. Because we as Americans take a lot of pride in our independence. Prayer is the opposite of independence. Prayer is dependence. Prayer means I can't do it on my own. Prayer means I need something that I don't have. Prayer means I can't be independent. Prayer is humbling. It means I need a higher power in my life to help me because I can't figure it out on my own. There's no more humbling thing you can do in life than start each day in prayer. 
to get on your knees and say, God, not my will be done, but your will. I surrender to your will today. I don't want to live for myself today. I want to live for you today. God, I give you my tongue. Use my tongue today to speak words of encouragement. Use my tongue to speak words of life and words of honor. Give me the language of honor. God, use my actions. Let let me put you first. First in my day, first in my week, first in my checkbook. God, let you be first in my life. God, I'm going to protect that which is valuable to me. You are valuable. I'm going to protect my my integrity and my character. I'm going to protect those things that really matter the most. Some of you are protecting the wrong things. You're protecting your comfort. You're protecting your selfishness. And you need to be protecting your character, your integrity, your family. Make the decision every day. And here's what's going to happen if you do this. The Bible says, I will give grace to the humble, but I'll oppose the proud. I'll give grace to the humble but I will oppose the proud. God will give grace to you, grace to you. And so what I want to do to close today is I want to invite anyone here today that really needs to take the first step of humility. The first step of humility is to totally surrender your life to Jesus Christ, to acknowledge your need of a Savior, to acknowledge that your goodness isn't good enough. That you have sin in your life that has to be dealt with. And your goodness won't overcome the sin that's in your life. And this, this is a real issue for North County because the biggest sin of our community here in North County is our goodness. It's the biggest sin of our community is we're so good we really don't think we need God. We like church because church is a good thing. We, we don't come to church for God. We come to church because it's a good thing. But what it really means to live for God is to totally surrender your life. Totally humble yourself before Him and say, without you, I'm nothing. Without you, I can never save myself. I need a Savior. I need you to rescue me from myself, from my sin, because being a good person simply isn't enough. And so I want to give you an opportunity today to totally surrender your life and put Jesus Christ first. That's what it means to make him the Lord of your life. Lord is ruler. It's boss. It's it's master. It's your first in my life, Jesus. Because here's the thing. We all have a list in our life. We all have a list of what's most important to us. You may say, I don't have a list. You have a list. Look at your time. Look at your energy. You have a list. This is first. This is what I value most. This is second. This is third. Here's the truth. If Jesus isn't first on your list, he's not on your list. He's got to be first. Jesus can't take second place in your life. He can't take third place in your life. He's first or he's not on the list. And so I'm going to give you an opportunity today to make a decision to put him first. To totally surrender your life to him this morning and say, Jesus, I want you to be first. I want to rearrange my life, rearrange my priorities to reflect your number one. So I want to invite you to close your eyes with me. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. And you don't even need to pray anything out loud. I'm going to ask you to say a simple prayer today. In your heart, Jesus will hear your heart of inviting him to take first place. So if you're here this morning, you say, you know what? That's me. I need to make him first today. Would you just slip up your hand and say, I want to join you in that prayer this morning. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Thank you. Is there anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? The prayer is simple. The first part of the prayer is just say, Jesus, I invite you to take first place in my life. 
give him an invitation to take control. You don't even have to fully understand what that means today. You know it means your life's going to change. You'll learn the rest as you walk with him. But it takes the first step of inviting him to take first place. So just in your heart, say, Jesus, today I invite you to take first place. The second part of that prayer is, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. We've all made mistakes. Sin is just a Bible word that means you missed the mark. You missed the mark in some area of your life. And we all have missed the mark somewhere. So just say, Jesus, will you forgive me of all of my sins? And he absolutely will. And then the last thing I invite you to do is just say, Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you for saving me and rescuing me. You can look up for just a moment. If you prayed that prayer with us today, I want to encourage you to do one more thing. On your connection card, there's two boxes. One says, I'm committing my life to Christ. One says, I'm renewing my commitment to Christ. If you made either one of those decisions today in prayer, I want to encourage you to check one of those boxes, drop it off at one of the tithing offering boxes, and here's the reason. You made the greatest decision you'll ever make today. We want to help you, we want to pray for you, and we want to support you in that decision. So we just want to know about it so that we can come alongside and help you with that decision so that you can really live it out and walk it out. Today, if you don't have a copy of the Bible, uh, we want to encourage you to pick up a hard copy of the Bible. We have plenty of Bibles available outside. Our favorite thing to do as a church is to give away this book because it will change your life because it's not like any other book. This book is living. It's breathing. Uh, I know that sounds really strange and weird, and I can't intellectually explain to you how it works. All I can tell you is if you'll invite the Holy Spirit to help you read this thing, it will literally breathe life into you. It'll breathe life into you. It'll come alive inside of you. And it'll change you. So I want to encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible. We have a reading plan. You can join our church reading plan. Uh, I think we're on day 180 today or something. Join us today. Uh, It's a great plan to take you through the Bible 15 minutes a day in one year. Stand with me as we close today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this series, God, of honor. Let us become people, vessels of honor and vessels for honor. We surrender our tongues to you. We surrender our priorities to you. We just want you to be first in every area of our life, God. We want you to know through our lifestyle, through our actions, through our words, through our, our, our money, that you are first in our life. You've got first place. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Have a great week, everybody.